turn in your Bibles to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 10. <clears throat> oh, this Sunday uh, we're having communion later. If, uh, if you haven't got your uh, communion element, um, you could do it now if you like, or wait until we call for it. But it is communion Sunday. I meant to announce that first. See, that's what happens when Steve's not here. Um, anyway, Hebrews chapter 10, we will be uh, going to verse, we're going to read verse 19 through 25. Hebrews 10. Um, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is His body. And since we have a great priest over um, the house of God, let us draw near to God with, with sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess, for He who promised it is faithful. Uh, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching. Uh, let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for this day, and we thank you for your blessings. We thank you as we look into your word that you show us things, that you, uh, that you open our heart and our eyes to your word. Father, I pray that you are... Uh, here with us. I pray that you are here with me this morning as we uh, speak about this. In your son's name, amen. Um, you may notice a common theme in this scripture, let us. There's, uh, there are at least four moments in this small section of scripture where we are uh, given a charge or a, a commitment or a, we are resolved to do something. Let us draw near. Let us hold fast. Uh, let us build one another up. Let us, let us consider how to build one another up. Let us do these things. Um, and, but what I want to really, what, what really is the key to all of that portion of the Scripture is what happens before that. So I think we need to actually go back a little further to starting with uh, verse 15. Um, verse 15, the Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this, for He says, this is the covenant I will make with them. After that time, says the Lord, I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. Then he adds, their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. And where these have been forgiven, there is no longer any sacrifice for sin. Okay, so the writer of Hebrews has spent the book reminding us and telling us and proving because he's speaking to the, a Jewish audience. Um, who uh, had a specific need to understand the difference between the old ways of the high priest who went into the Holy of Holies with the atonement to what is now Jesus as our high priest. And so the writer of Hebrews has taken this, taken this time to remind us and tell us that it is Jesus who is sufficient. His sacrifice is the sacrifice for once and for all. You know, uh, the Jews met 
yearly to go through this process of atonement. Now we have our one sacrifice and we are free from the sin that has beset us. Right? That's the lesson that we have here. When you look at the Scripture starting with 19 and he says that, uh, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place, confidence, boldness, some, uh, some Scripture says, confidence that you can be in relationship with God, that you can approach the Creator of all things as His confidence. I didn't, I, I didn't grow up in a... There, there wasn't a lot of preaching on confidence when I was growing up. There was a lot of preaching on you better get right and don't mess it up. What I want you to know and what the writer wants us to know is that it is God who has done this for you. That your confidence does not come from you or how well you are or what actions you're taking. It is God who brings this to you. I want you to look back in 16 there. The covenant I will make with them. Okay, cast your mind back to when Pastor Steve was preaching in Genesis. Uh, this is, you know, he, what did he do? Three years on Genesis? So this is three years ago. Because this is in the beginning. And... Uh, this is probably one of the moments that, that I came away with from the Genesis study that affected me the most, is that uh, the Jewish habit of, or the Jewish tradition of covenant making was that you took animals and you slaughtered them and split them in half and put them on each side and the middle was clear, Right? So you've got this path, and I'm just picturing it here in the aisle, and you've got these animals that have been sacrificed for this covenant, and they're on both sides of this path. And if Dan Emerson and I are going to get into a covenant with each other, we both pass through that, those animals as if to say, if I break this contract with you, and what happens to these animals will happen to me. That is the way Steve explained that. And uh, again, I benefited from his nerdiness because of that. You know, um, that's the way that that and that hit me so much because when God makes His covenant with Abraham, only God goes through the path. Abraham just stands there. He slaughtered the animals and set up the set up the path of covenant, but only God passed it, passed through. What does that tell you? It tells you that God is the one that is handling the covenant. That if I'm making a promise with you, it is God that is holding that promise together, not you. Praise Jesus that we have the ability and the confidence to understand that God takes all the burden of the covenant with us. All of it. He call, Does He call us? Yes. Does He call us to, to do certain things? Yes. But when I'm looking at the promise that God made to me and my salvation, I know for a fact that my salvation has everything to do with Him and very little to do with me except that I accepted that. Abraham, God comes to Abraham and said, I'm making a covenant with you. I'm doing the work here. All I want you to do is be part of it. Uh, okay, <laughs> so that that is the that is the place that we find ourselves when we when we are reading this section of Hebrews. 
right? Because we see that we have, again, boldness, confidence. That confidence does not come from me, speaking in the Scripture here. The confidence to enter the most holy place is by the blood of Jesus, that sacrifice that was made on your behalf, on our behalf. By a new and living way, open for us through the curtain that is His body. Okay, that's a weird, kind of a weird phrase, the curtain. But, you know, as a history lesson for for the Jewish audience here, it would completely make sense, as you might know that when the temple was created, there was a large, heavy curtain that separated the Holy of Holies, where God dwelt from the people. Right? And there was only one person that could go in there, and that was the Most High Priest. You brought your atonements to Him. He made, the, uh, he made the sacrifices on your behalf. You never saw what went on behind the curtain. You never had access to uh, the Holy of Holies, to God's presence. Right? Uh, they never seen it. They don't even know what it looks like back there. The only people who know what it looks like back there are the, Holy, uh, or the uh, High Priests. Right? And then when Jesus was crucified, one of the things that happened was that curtain tore and opened symbolically so we could see that. Can you imagine the Jewish people there? Like I, They had grown up never seeing what was behind that curtain. Only that high priest could go. And now we can. And so that reference there for the Jews and for us to, recall, to realize is that the holy place is open for us through His body. It was His sacrifice that allows us to have that dwelling with Him. Right? Because the Holy of Holies is... It's where His presence is. And where's His presence now? It's in you. You are that temple. He dwells in you and you in Him. Praise God. Amen. He lives in you. The God of all creation, the Most High, says, I will make my dwelling place with Brooke in her heart. And I will accept her to me through Jesus. That is astounding. That is amazing. That is where we are. So, not to put any, you know, I don't think you can emphasize this section enough. I don't think you can emphasize the sacrifice enough. It's our whole reason for being. Why we come here. Why we're here worshiping, singing songs, and praising Him. And why we're listening to a lesson about Him is because of Him and His sacrifice. Right? Our whole reason for being is here. I would not know Kenny Bayless if it wasn't for Jesus Christ. Thank God. I would not know Him. You wouldn't know me. We wouldn't be brothers and sisters like this if it wasn't for this sacrifice. So that's where we are in this section of Hebrews. And we have a great priest over the house of God. Who is our great priest? That is Jesus Christ. He is the one that that goes in front of us. He's the one that intercedes on our behalf. He's the one that knows our weaknesses because He was tempted as we were. And He takes our struggle and He knows and He forgives and loves. That forgiveness comes through Him. Right? 
again, I just want to set the stage of where we are in Hebrews, is that uh, Jesus is all-sufficient. His sacrifice covered it all. There's no sin in you. I'm writing your, my laws on your heart by living in you. And, um, and we have that great priest. So what do we do? So what's our first let us? It is let us draw near. Right? Because it's to me that is this to say, uh, I unlock this door, come in the house. Let us draw near to him. He has made this way for us, and our call is to be his, to draw near to him. How do we draw near to him? To be in his word, to be in prayer, to be to be um, in communion with him, in connection with him to concentrate on the fact that He does dwell in us. I, mean, I will say this, I, I know this for a fact, the more that we dwell in Him and concentrate and consider our dwelling in Him and His Word, the more we're aware of it. And the more we're aware of it, the more He uses us. And the more that we are part and, uh, and have a greater understanding of it. It builds on itself. The drawing near. Right? The drawing near builds on itself, that indwelling. And so that's what he calls us to do, right? Draw near to him. What else does he call us to do? He calls us, well, I'm going ahead a little bit. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith because of him. Having our hearts cleansed from a guilty conscience. I think that's, you know, one of the things I've heard a lot in my Christian walk from different people is that they're just, you know, they just don't feel that they're righteous enough or good enough to draw near to God. That the things in their heart and the things in their lives and the history of their sinfulness keep them at a distance from Him. And that is exactly the wrong idea. But it's, it's hard to get through to us. It's hard to get us over our own failings that way. And I understand that. We can take you know, all this scripture about how much God has done for us and what, he is, what path that he has made for us and how he has forgiven us of our sins to be counted against us no more. And it is still difficult for us sometimes to accept that truth, to draw near to him. But God has cleansed you. He has cleansed your heart. He has taken the heart of stone away and given you a heart of flesh. He has done that. And so we are called. We are called to that. What else are we called to do? We are called to hold unswervingly, or hold fast, as I would like to say, to the hope we profess. Um, the, the first one about drawing near is about our, is about our relationship to God, obviously. He makes us way, draw near to Him. It's about our relationship to God. When we talk about holding fast to our faith, that, that's about our relationship with, with the world and our culture. That we need to hold fast to our faith. Because our culture does not really support us holding fast to our faith. Right? Now, I'm not one of those people that comes to you and says, this is the worst time that human beings have ever lived in. Because I imagine if we talked about how you know our Christianity is being persecuted uh, 
someone from the first century might come up and go, oh, they're feeding you to lions too. <laughs> you know, there have been people that uh, Christians have not had it easy throughout, right? Throughout different generations. So, well, I'm not minimizing what, what we go through. I'm also realizing that the whole story of Christianity is a story of struggle against the world that we live in. It's a story of being different and alien. And we're called to be that. We're called to hold fast to our faith because, um, because uh, we will be... Um, we're called to hold fast to our faith so that it doesn't, uh, so that we don't become hardened to it. And you think to yourself, no, wait a minute, Rob, all this confidence that we've been talking about, and when you tell me this great story of Jesus Christ and Him crucified and the sacrifice, how that, it, I can't imagine that we would have struggles with that. But if we go back to Hebrews chapter 3, go back to Hebrews chapter 3. And let's go to Hebrews 3, verse 12. So Hebrews 3, verse 12. See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. I find that interesting because he doesn't say, see, see to it, brothers. <laughs> he's, talking to his, he's talking to his brothers in Christ. He's talking to his brothers and sisters in Christ. See to it that none of you have an unbelieving heart. Right? Um, but encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ. Uh, we have come to share in Christ if we hold firmly till the end the confidence we had at first. That, that reads a lot to me. Right? Because... And it, I, I see that our faith journey doesn't all, isn't always you know isn't always perfect. That we need the that I need the confidence at the end that I had at the beginning, and that confidence lies on Him. But pay attention to that idea of sin's deceitfulness. In the moments in my life when God when I have fallen the furthest from God. When I have taken, when I have done things that were not in line with my Christianity. In the moments of my life um, that that happened, it wasn't necessarily like just an open opportunity to be ungodly. It was the deceitfulness of sin that really had an effect. And we understand this because, you know, we have an enemy that is against us. And the sins that he, the, the way that he tries to reach us to harden our hearts to God is often through using Scripture and being deceitful about it. There's a, a great Scripture that, at, that says, don't give a, the devil a foothold. And... I can stand here and say, don't, you know, because he takes a lot. And he tells you, and he whispers things to you like, no, is that really what it says? Sure, is that really, you know, do you really need to draw near to him all the time? I mean, you're his. He, he gave you confidence. His sacrifice is enough for you. 
You don't need to worry about those things. Our enemy knows our ways and uses that against us as often as he can. It is, like I say, it is not just, it, we're not going to fall away necessarily from these, from major turns in our life. We're going to be lured away. And that's why we're called to be drawing near. That's why we must hold fast. Because uh, I can see that sin does creep in and the deceitfulness of it creeps in and the hardness creeps in. I can see that that we as flesh are still corruptible by that. And that I have a and that we have a responsibility to hold fast to our faith to deal with that kind of pressure and that problem. To deal with not falling away. To to uh, work to be his in a better way. And the other section of this scripture that encourages me is part of the Let Us movement from 10. It's when he says, encourage one another daily. So we go back to Hebrews 10. And we remember that he says, let us consider how we may spur one another on to love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Let us encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching. I, I realize that, that the encouragement and the consideration is, is it's equally important here. It's not like this part is just a throwaway. Oh, and by the way, man, you know, don't give up meaning. This is all tied together. Us, our, our, our drawing near, our ability to hold fast, and our ability and our encouragement one another is all tied together. You don't. You, you, I don't believe that they that these they they exist in a vacuum. That we can be not about God's people, but oh, we're in great relationship with God. I don't believe that at all. And I'll tell you that how I was looking up some scriptures about building one another up, and some and some of the scriptures in the New Testament. And I was I was going to read this whole list of scriptures, but eh. what I will do though is read some of the words that define our relationship to one another in Christ. Words like love one another. Since God loved you, love one another. Words like care for one another. Or welcome each other as God has welcomed you. Submit to one another. Each other. Carry each other's burdens. Be kind to one another. Serve one another. In the fabric of our faith, there are many threads that make it up. Right? And there obviously is the thread that the whole of the garment is made up by him and him crucified and that sacrifice. But the, there is an enormously thick thread running through the fabric of our faith about how we treat each other and how we are to be with one another. And how that we are to spur one another onto good words. And how we're supposed to encourage one another. All of us at different times are fighting different things different struggles. I know some of your struggles because you've talked to me. You know some of mine because I've talked to you. I may not know all your struggles, but we, uh, but I know that you have them, and I can be praying for you, and I can be an encouragement to you, 
as you can be an encouragement to me. This absolutely is integral to Christianity, is being amongst His people. When I think about building one another up, uh, or when I think about uh, consider how to spur one another on to good deeds, I think about the storehouse. I think about how Janet ran that storehouse for so many years and how she was an inspiration to people who worked with her and how Trevor took that inspiration and now he is running it and how now Trevor is an inspiration, right? And they're spurring one another on to good works. You think Janice is like, well, I'm done with it. Or do you think that Janice, Janet is talking to Trevor constantly about it? Do you think that if you... If you come to volunteer, do you think that that will not move Trevor? Because we're both spurring one another on to, to uh, good works. And the beautiful thing of this is, it's not this insular relationship where it's just God and us. These good works are meant to reach others. That others will know of what God has done. These good works that we're talking about. It's like, um, it's like a mission trip. Who's been on, if you've been on a mission trip, let me, let me tell you about it. I've been on a few, right? When you're on a mission, you're living Hebrews 10, 19 through 25 out if you're, when you're on a mission trip. Uh, you are constantly with each other. You are constantly dependent on one another. You are seeing each other do good works in His name and it is spurring you on. You're drawing near to God because you just can't help it. You're holding fast your faith because you're surrounded by your brothers and sisters and you're all in this one great effort towards whatever your project is that week, but you're, at, you're about the kingdom's business. That's why people... That's why mission trips are fantastically wonderful. I encourage them. But they're often somewhat of a letdown when you come back because... You have to go back to your house. <laughs> you have to go back to your life. And you realize, you realize how um, wonderful it is just to be living this kind of purity in your life, of being with, your, being with each other constantly, of being about God's business constantly. It's a blessing, this mission trip life. I remember when we went to a mission trip to Arizona, one of the things that we... Uh, one of the things that we talked to our teenagers about as they were working, we were working a, a sleepaway Bible camp in Arizona. And um, one of the things in that trip specifically that we talked to our teenagers about was that we, we, we wanted them to empty themselves out every day. To use all their energies for the, for the kids. And to, and to talk about it. And this is that picture of, of Hebrews 10 life. Is that every day we had all these kids and they were crazy sometimes. And it was, Glenn was there with, it, with me. It was nuts sometimes. But it was beautiful. And every day these teenagers who, uh, you know, you know how teenagers are. They're not exactly looking to be openly giving 24 hours a day. It's hard. Um, every day they're working with these kids and taking care of them and eating with them and, and their whole life is about this mission. And then after we got the kids to bed, we would meet 
and have a devotional that night, and we would talk about we would talk about have them talk about what it was like to empty yourself, and it was emptying themselves in his service was uh, life changing for them. Because, it, number one, it allows God to fill back up the hole of what you're giving. When you're giving in his name, God is filling that back up. And he is making room to grow greater in your life. And you realize how, how connected our souls are to working for others in his name. It's what we're meant to do. It's what we're made to do. We're made for this. We're called for this and made for this. This is who we are. And we would, uh, and, and again, everybody comes back and you come back and you're, and you're kind of giddy and excited, but you're also sad because you know you're not going to be in that environment again for a while. And you're going to be back in your house and uh, the cares of the world are going to uh, get back with you and those are the things that we have to fight. Uh, but it's, the, it's that beauty of godly living and, uh, and the life that we're called to live here. And when I think about, you know, if I'm supposed to be in support of Kenny or, you know, Lee, and I'm supposed to be praying for them and know what they may be struggling with, how else do I know what they're struggling with unless I am with them? So when I go to this little, this is Church of Christ, I grew up fundamental Church of Christ. We love this scripture. Uh, don't give up the habit of meeting, you know, because we like to browbeat people into knowing that they need to be at church. But <laughs> there's a beauty to that. It's exactly what we need to do. How am I supposed to know what Kenny may need if I'm never around Kenny? My calling to be here on when we meet. My calling to be here is not is not really based on uh, it's not just for me. As a matter of fact, it's mainly probably for others. Who knows what I might say to someone that makes a difference? Who knows what you might say to someone that makes a difference? Make yourself available. This is what God calls us to do. And again, I say again that drawing near to Him and that holding on to your faith and that meeting together and encouraging one another is all tied equally together here. I know where it comes from. I'm not saying that we're equal with Jesus Christ. He's the one that creates all this. Let us happen. But this is all equal. This is all tied together. I don't want to, you know, I, I'll just say, you cannot, I, you you cannot long. You can't long term say, "Oh, I've got this great relationship with God," and spur His people. You just can't do it. You're not meant to do it. You're not called to do it. If you tell me that you have a great relationship with God, but you have nothing to do with His people, I question that. And that's probably not something I like to talk about because I don't really like to question things like that. But if you're not about His people, <laughs> then somewhere that message is getting lost. Right? If we're not about encouraging one another. And as we talked about in Hebrews chapter 3, about 
the deceitfulness of sin, I believe that's a, a deceit that you're that we're falling into. To say that I've got this great relationship with God and I just I'm home and I'm fine and I'm, I don't, I I don't think that that's what God calls us to be. How can we love one another? How can we know what burdens that I need to help carry? How can I submit or serve you if I'm never around you? How can I be kind to you or or welcome you if we're never around to welcome each other? I'm not trying to be I'm not trying to be what I grew up with with the you know what I, but what I am saying is it's plain to me in the scripture it's plain to me in Hebrews that our relationship with God and our relationship with each other are you know are so tied and important on how we live as Christians how we live through this faith how this faith moves through us and it and it results in the fact that I encourage you and you encourage me. And it results in the fact that the things we do reach other people for Him. And especially in a time where, where Christianity isn't exactly, you know, isn't exactly the most welcome uh, thing you can hang on your resume. Right? Sometimes, we may, sometimes it may be more convenient not to tell people. And God is saying, absolutely not. Draw near to me, hold fast, be among my people. Meet. Um, he uh, Build one another up. Encourage one another. I don't think we make it without each other. I don't, I don't have to think. I know we don't make it without each other because I read Hebrews. And that's not the only place in the Scripture where our call to be with each other and for each other is listed. As I said, that the, the scripture is full of it, full of our relationship to one another and our and our call and our charge to be God's people together, so that we can reach the world for Him. And so, you know, I can't think of a better way, maybe, than to to exemplify this than to have communion together. So let's get ready. Let's uh, prepare ourselves for communion. Hey, this is my, I'm just going to say this, this is my favorite part of communion is listening to all the plastic. Listening to everybody trying to get that one level of plastic off the top so they can get the, right? It's fun. You ever listen to it? I think about this. Now, yeah, I'm going to spin this around godly. I'm not trying to be just awful here. I'm not trying to be funny. Listen to all these people you're having communion with. Right? Now, see, there it goes. The beauty of this is that you know, we're we're taking part of this we're taking part of this to remember the sacrifice that God made on our behalf. Uh, but we're doing it together. We're doing it as brothers and sisters. There's scripture that says, you know, if you've got a problem with your brother or sister, you ought to go fix it before you do this. Right? I'm thinking to myself, hey, wait a minute, I'm just honoring your sacrifice. What, is, what, do I, what does that have to do with any? What do I got to worry about? What he thinks about me? Or what our problems are? No, it's all connected. Communion with each other, the blood that, has sac- that was shared, 
sacrifice for me that brings me into relationship with him is the same one that brings you into relationship with him. And we are his people together. And we come together this morning and we think about that. I want you to think about that. I want you to think about your brothers and sisters as you do this. I want you to think about how maybe this week particularly you can be prayerful for someone or talk to someone. It is wonderful to see after church when everybody's still here and gathering and talking and laughing. That's how we honor God by that. That is part of how we honor God is that connectedness that we have with each other and the love that we have with one another. It's how we honor Him. It's how we honor and remember Him by the bread and by the by the uh, blood that was shed for us. And Father in heaven, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your connection with us. We thank you for the sacrifice that you made so that we can live in this family with you. Father, we pray that your and we pray that your love shines and that your light shines through us, that your love flows through us to, towards each other, Father. We pray that we take your call to encouraging one another and to building each other up seriously, Father, that we consider our brothers and sisters, and that we, uh, in and that we draw near to you and hold fast to our faith, all under your banner of love and your sacrifice. In your Son's name, we pray. Amen. Let's take. All right, we just had our little meal together. Back in the day, they had a meal, and this is part of the meal. Right? You really get to know people when you have a meal together, which is, uh, which is good. I, I encourage us, and look, hey, let me, just, let me just admit something. Lest you think that I live this Hebrew's life fully. You, you remember when everybody was talking about one of the good things about the uh, pandemic was I could cancel plans and not feel guilty about it. I fall firmly into that category. You know what the first thing I often do when I hear that we have some uh, uh, event from church that is not, say, Sunday morning? My first thing is like, ah, why do I do that? Because I am a flesh, you know, and I'm, uh, I do that. You know, you may, I don't know what your opinion of me is. You may think, oh, he's an outgoing guy. He likes me. Oh my gosh, no! I'm all, I, I'm always trying to figure out a way out of things because I'm a sinner, <laughs> and sin is deceitful. Um, and so uh, I encourage. I am encouraging myself. I don't. I you know back uh, another another old story. Back in my early preaching days, <laughs> we Lisa can admit. Can attest to this. We had some, we had some pretty lively times, and like we had some real differences of opinion sometimes. And sometimes somebody would preach with you in mind. You know, you knew what they were. And, and here's why I say it: because I did that too, right? We were all, but we loved each other. But we would always say, you know, I can remember having a sermon about the confidence that you have in Jesus' sacrifice, and then somebody came up at the end and said something about. 
not everybody that says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. And it was like we're having uh, point-counterpoint in church. It was fun. Um, where was I going with that? Where was I going with that? I just want to say that um, I really did lose my train of thought, but it was a funny story to me. I'm as much of a, you know, I check me out some Sunday. Some Sundays I might be like, you know, hey, uh, brother or sister, how you doing? Some Sundays I might be like, zip out, get my case and go. Because sometimes I'm just like that. And I know I shouldn't be, and I know that maybe someone, you know, maybe I would get someone from, get something from talking to somebody. But there's that flesh that's just eating at me that says, yeah, go, you know. And oh my gosh, we're having this again. Oh my God. You know, I have that. I have it in, in, in great quantity. I fight that fight always. So you could pray for me. Here's what I was trying to get to. I come back to it. If I, you know, I'm not, I wasn't, if, if something I said today was like, man, you know, I, that was a little, if, if I said, I wasn't saying it to you, I was saying it to myself. Uh, when it was, a, you know, Steve to, told me about this weeks ago, and it was probably three weeks ago, or a couple, when this, when the scripture kind of hit me, you know, let us stir one another, and I wasn't even looking at it. it I heard it somewhere. I don't even remember where, but uh, and the more I started thinking about it, yeah, okay, that, yeah, yeah. And then the more I realized how much in, a sh in shame I should be because I am exactly who I'm talking to because I struggle with that. I want to be, uh, oh, you know, I, I want to draw away. And is it because I... You know, it's not because I have, you know, ill feelings towards anybody. It's just starting now. You know, I mean, I think now even more than in the now even more than years ago, our natural inclination is to draw away from each other, and it's bad. It's just bad. It's just not, and it's just not the way we're meant to live, as His. Let's just say it that way. So if I said something that offended you, realize that I offended myself probably a little more because I'm talking to me. Yes? Oh. Let me look at that. Okay, I was thinking, wondering about this. Here's a good, here's a good way to take advantage of what we just talked about. Right? There is a church picnic on a Wednesday night on a work day. Who comes up with this idea, right? I mean, I'm sitting here going, ah, how can I make my famous whatever I'm going to make when I have to go to work on a Wednesday? So now, if I don't show up to this, oh boy. Uh, and let me tell you that all, th all throughout the day Wednesday, I'll be going, mm -hmm. mm. no, July 7th. It's a call for us to be together in the heat at Beach Fort, and uh, and create, you know, some covered dish. I think that there's going to be a list, right? Or is there? Let's hope that there's eventually. May is there going to be a list to where we're all not bringing mac mac macaroni salad? It's whatever. 
whatever the Lord wills it. If the Lord wills us to bring five or ten macaroni salads, I guess we're all in macaroni salad. There'll probably be a, a bigger dish there. Like I don't know. I have no idea. Come with some food and uh, you know, show up. And yes, this is good. See, this is exactly me, because I was always trying already trying to figure out how to get out of this. Well, I'll be gone probably. It's gonna be a long day at the campsite. Huh? No. See? What did I do to myself? I should have preached on something else. It wasn't about picnics. Okay, anyway. So Wednesday night, 6 p.m., be there. And it's good to see everybody. And it's good to uh, be reminded of this and to get together and to share in food and to laugh and to get to know one another. I didn't know how good of a volleyball player Dan was until last year when we had a men's outing. And he was kicking, our, kicking us all over the place in volleyball. Because Dan's a good volleyball player. If I ever had a church volleyball team, I went Dan on that team because he's really good at it. Right? I already know Glenn's talents because I've spent time with Glenn. And Glenn's wonderful. And Ashley is too. And Stacy and all of you. Back. So, okay. So now, now I, I, we're, ending this, we're ending church the way I like to, so, somewhat awkwardly where I keep talking and I don't know when to finish. So I'm just going to finish now. Thank you. Love you.